Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Thank you for joining us for the program. We have a really great program, and we all want to know how to think with God. And this program gives us real specifics about it, the dynamic of our thinking and how, how it is formed. Please listen to this clip, preached in 1994 by Dr. Stevens, about the place of grace. The Word of God says in Proverbs 23:12, Apply thine heart unto instructions, and thine ears unto understanding. Now get your, your eyes focused, and do not worry about somebody to the left or right. Enter into academic discipline, spiritual concentration, and listen in meekness, and God will do a special thing for you tonight. Apply thine heart unto instructions, and thine ears unto understanding, and that word in the Hebrew means experiencing your instructions. Now listen carefully. For this commandment that I have given to you this day, neither is it hid from thee, neither is it afar off. Who shall say, let us go into heaven and bring it down to us, that we may hear it and do it? Or who will say, who should us go beyond the sea? And bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Now you notice in both cases that we may hear it and do it. But the next verse in Deuteronomy 30 says, For it is nigh in thy mouth, even in thine heart. And God says, I've set before you today life and death. I've set before you a blessing and a curse. And the 19th verse in the B part says, I've set before you a blessing and a curse and life and death. Choose life. Notice, choose life that thou and thy seed may live. Now, in two verses in a row, the 11th and the 12th verses in the B part, he said that you may hear it and do it. A young man from a very well-groomed theological seminary came to us this summer. He graduated from this seminary, which is evangelical and well-known, and he said in four years... No teacher, no student, to my knowledge, ever went soul winning. Four years. So he went out Saturday and went soul winning. Now, it was very difficult to believe that in four years, in that seminary, no one led them to go soul winning, no went soul winning. Now, may I say that before he went to that evangelical seminary, he went soul winning. And that college taught him how not to do it. 
Any church that understands the Word of God will understand what I'm going to say tonight. Now, I'm changing this tonight, but I want to revive it and bring it into a message called This Place. Now, when two children are taught in the early grades in grammar school, and we'll call their names Bill and Lil, and the teacher teaches them in the very first uh, sem primary, Bill took the ball from Lil, and Lil took the ball from Bill. And Bill threw the ball to Lil. And Lil threw the ball to Bill. Now, isn't that deep? Then, Bill hit the ball to Lil. And Lil caught the ball and threw it back to Bill. Now, what is the purpose of that education in the very beginning of their uh, grammar school training? So that someday... They can take those words and grow and develop and place those words into facts. And as they take those facts, they take them into thoughts. For facts should be the road to thoughts. And thoughts should lead us to truth, to think the truth. And when we think the truth, that should guide us into principles. And when we have the principles that we receive from the truth, that we receive from the beautiful thoughts that come from facts, that come from words, that leads us into decisions. And when we have the right words and the right facts, and we then have the right thoughts and the right truth and the proper principles, then we can make the right decisions. Now, the right decisions lead us into action. For two married people, for a family, for a college, for a high school, for grade school. You see, any Christian school that doesn't teach spiritual words that lead to spiritual facts, that lead to spiritual thoughts, that lead to spiritual truths, that lead to spiritual principles, that lead to spiritual decisions, that lead to spiritual actions, might as well close up the school. Any college, secular college, that doesn't produce the final manifestation of words is not the right kind of college. Now, what, what if a ministry said, we ought to love as God loves and memorized all the verses but didn't love. 
What if a ministry taught that we ought to win souls and disciple those souls and had all the verses on it that didn't do it? You see, a person isn't spiritually educated or educated in a secular way until they understand that actions only come when we make right decisions. And right decisions only come when we have godly principles. And godly principles only come when we have what? Godly truth. And godly truth only comes when we have what? What? Thoughts. And godly thoughts only come when we have the facts. And godly facts only come when we have the right knowledge or the right words. Now, someone has said that anyone that does great things has learned some great truth about God. Now, what if Edison learned all the facts and it never led him into the action of light? Everything that we learn must lead us into action. Now, follow very carefully. Every Sunday school teacher teaches words that lead to six more things that we just mentioned. And when we teach from this pulpit the Word of God, and the Word of God leads husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and the husband lays down his life for his wife, rather than using scriptures to control her and manipulate her. And the wife, lovingly, because she's taught properly, honors her husband and esteems him highly. And the children, instead of going to pay phones and calling people against their parents' will, And the children honor their parents and honor their educational opportunities and and love the principles that lead to proper decisions, that lead to actions of obedience through grace. Then you have a tremendous, successful, and effective process of education. How many understand that? Now remember, unless seven progressive principles take place... You and I are not taking the Word of God, which is truly designed for us to hear and experience and practice. For 40 years, Moses was in the palace. Acts 7, verse 22, said he was learned with all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Forty years. But in Exodus 2, 14, The Israelites said, after he killed the Hebrew, Who chose you to be a prince for us? They wanted nothing to do with him. They didn't want anything to do with him. But 40 years later, in the book of Exodus, the third chapter, the word of God says that Moses kept the flock for his father-in-law Jephro, who was the priest of the Midians. And it says he led the flock 
to the backside of the desert, to the mountain of God, even Horeb. And the angel of the Lord, which was Jesus Christ, came with flames of fire from out of the bush. And Moses turned to see why the bush was not consumed. And as he turned to see why the bush was not consumed and to look at the burning bush, the word of God says that God spoke to him. And he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. And the Lord said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid. Wouldn't you be afraid after 40 years of running? The Bible says that the Egyptians hated shepherds that tended sheep in Genesis 48:21. And he was tending sheep in the backside of the desert. When you're backside of the desert and away from all that's going on in Egypt, God can really speak to you. The Israelites had rejected him. His wisdom had not led to principles, decisions, and actions. But what did the burning bush symbolize? Just a bush. Deuteronomy 33.16 says, As for the precious things of the earth and the fullness thereof, it goes on to say, For he that doeth his will, dwells in the bush. God dwells in the bush. What's the bush? Forty years you've been backslidden. God initiates with a burning bush. The fire symbolizes holiness. And God said to Moses, Draw not nigh unto me, but take off your shoes for the place where thou standest is holy ground. The bush could not be consumed. And God never gives up on a bush. When you understand God that dwelleth in the bush, The bush tonight speaks of God's eternal grace reigning through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. You can't consume the grace of God. And once you confess your sins and come to God through Jesus Christ and by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves, it's a gift from God. And you confess with your mouth, O Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. So the Bible says that grace does not reign apart from righteousness of God. It reigns through the righteousness of Christ unto eternal life. God was teaching him a tremendous lesson. You murdered a man 40 years ago, and you've left me through a decision from a wrong understanding of worldly wisdom. 
But 40 years later, I'm going to use you to lead my people out of Egypt. And in verse 8 of chapter 3 of the book of Exodus, God said, I have seen the afflictions of my people. I've seen their afflictions. And I've witnessed their sorrows because of their taskmasters in Egypt. And I have come down to deliver them out of Egypt and bring them into a land of milk and honey. And he said, but that's not all, Moses. You're going to lead them out. And of course, he began to make four excuses. One of them, he had an impediment in his speech why he couldn't do it. If there's a tremendous lesson to be learned by the burning bush... It is that grace reigns forever through the gift of grace, through the gift of eternal life to every true believer. And mercy endures forever. And you cannot consume the love of Christ. And you may have no more value than an old bush. But when the angel of the Lord, which was Jesus Christ himself, as in Genesis 16, 13, and 21, 16, and Exodus 3, 1, and Malachi 3, 1, it's the angel of the Lord in those four cases particularly, plus more, it's the Lord Jesus Christ with flames of fire coming out of the midst of the bush. May I say this tonight? The beautiful principle of that is in Deuteronomy 4.20. He said, I have seen that my people have been placed into an iron furnace. An iron furnace. And I want you to see tonight that God sees when you're going through something. He said, I see your afflictions. I have seen your afflictions. And I've seen your sorrows. Do not think tonight that everything that you go through is separated from my eyes, for I am everywhere present. And I've come down to deliver you. Now, they didn't deserve it. Neither did Moses deserve being used to lead them out of Egypt. He did everything in his power not to be qualified. Murdering a Hebrew an Egyptian, rather, 40 years before. But the bush did not burn up. And I don't care what our understanding is tonight, what our personal experience is, what our feelings are like, what we place ahead of truth. When you understand these words from God, the words of grace to build us up in Acts 20.32, the words of life in Philippians 2.16 to show forth in the midst of a crooked and dark generation. When we understand the words that come from God and those words lead to the facts that God is love and God is merciful and God is the God of a, of a new covenant and God is the God that shed his blood on our behalf to seal us and redeem us forever and to walk through every fiery furnace with us to bring us out of it and to bring us in a land 
flowing with milk and honey, or a land of promises, or a land that he desires for us. When those facts lead us to think in true thoughts, and those true thoughts lead us into tremendous truth, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And when that truth leads us to principles, and when those principles lead us to a decision, then we choose life, and we live, and so by seed live. The most sacred and precious thing in the Word of God is to understand that inside your body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit, in 1 Corinthians 6.19 and in John 14.23 God the Father that planned everything in the universe and Jesus Christ the Son is indwelling your body and you can look unto God and look into the mirror and every morning say God dwells in me the Father dwells in me the Son dwells in me. The Holy Spirit dwells in me. And let the Word of God dwell in you richly with all wisdom, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all from the heart unto God. Now in the Word of God tonight, Every person's body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that makes it a holy place. And that's why a teenager does not go out and sin. And that's why a teenage girl doesn't let a, a young man handle her body before marriage. Her body is the dwelling place of God, as the habitation of God is the corporate body is through the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 2.22. And the body corporately is the temple of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 3.16. And as we get up in the morning and live through the day and the word of God quickens us, and the Holy Spirit quickens us. And we are inhabited by eternity. And we have the grace that reigns through righteousness unto eternal life by one Jesus Christ. And our body is a holy place. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com Isaiah 28, 9 and following Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk, and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, 
here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear, but the word of the Lord was upon them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Wherefore hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men, that rule this people, and hear the prophet taught doctrine, line upon line, precept upon precept. It's amazing that in this scripture it gives that progression, and yet the people who were to be taught were not ready to hear, and yet God still initiated to them this teaching. But instead of it causing the majority of them to enter into freedom, it caused them to fall backward because they had exposure to truth and they wouldn't receive it in their minds. This is an amazing thing. When we, it is dangerous for us to hear this truth that's anointed by God, that's being sent by Him, by the messenger, and yet we don't receive it. Truly, I, I think this is something I don't ever want in my life, to be hardened, my heart be hardened to not hear truth, or to be so preoccupied with myself or other things that I can't receive what God is communicating. There are many in the world that don't get, are not privileged to hear communications that are coming from heaven <laughs> to a messenger that's sent with that's sent with God's own words. So these words, this words vocabulary, it's important. Those who are new in the church, they're new to a spiritual life. That definitions are given to words. Because how can you have facts when words are undefined? And how can people have meditations and thoughts if they don't understand in an objective way what they're hearing? Those thoughts really point to that truth, that truth is the underlying reality. It's a description of what is actual, not what is fictional, but what is non-fiction. And the truth woven together into principles. And we make decisions as we're given those right principles. And those decisions being led by the Holy Spirit flow seamlessly into right action. And the place of grace is us and our physical bodies. When, when the mind of Christ is allowed to dwell, when we, when we receive truth and we let this mind be in us, then God has made us to be temples of the Holy Spirit. But then we find that we're consumed, that we're, we're afire with, with God's word, with God's, he's acting on us. And yet we're not consumed through that action. But instead, we're moving forward in our spiritual momentum. It's an amazing thing that we would be the holy place. That, that, our physical body would be the place of God's grace as manifested in the world where people could see his character and nature, his favor on a human being, someone who would rightly think of God. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. 
The web address is www.graceinpublic.com. So the same dynamic words leading to facts and thoughts, forming truth, principles, decisions, action, that progression is going on in every life, whether you know Christ or whether you don't. But for those who know Christ, there is a dynamic. There's that fourth man in the furnace <laughs> where we, we go in to the fiery trial and instead of it destroying us, the fourth man is revealed and the bonds are burned away. That fourth man is the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you like him to be in your life, to bring this beyond theory and into practical application in your life? Uh, beyond that, uh, all that we've talked about today will mean very little without receiving the free gift of salvation. Once you receive that gift, it comes with a whole package of amazing things, but one of them is that you're born from above and you're made a citizen of heaven and God would dwell in you, his spirit would dwell in you, igniting your human spirit and making it alive. If you've never done that before, if you've never received Christ, let's pray a prayer together now. Father, I believe that your son died, was buried, and rose again. And he came to earth to pay for the sins of all mankind and to pay for my sins. Right now, I'm inf investing my faith in what he's done and who you are. I want to think with you, God, and I want you in my life. I'm asking you now, based on that work on the cross, that you would come into my life, that you would save me and cleanse me, and cause me to think with you. Lord, ignite my heart on fire. Give me understanding and a hunger in my heart for your scriptures. Lead me to a local assembly. Save me, I pray, now. Not because I come with any goodness, but because of what your Son has done. And I ask these things, Father, in the name of